0: Welcome to the Future Charlotte Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Portillo. I've spent more than a decade studying Charlotte, first as a journalist, and now as assistant director of the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. 20 years ago, this city looked radically different. No light rail, a smaller skyline, and breweries, what breweries? What will we look like in the next 20 years? That's what we're exploring on this show. Our guest today is Geraldine Gardner, Executive Director of the Centralina Regional Council. Geraldine, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited for our conversation this morning.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a a lot to talk about because I think regionalism and approaching problems from a regional perspective is something that, one, is going to be increasingly important as we grow. It's already really important, but that's only going to increase. And two, I think sometimes can be a little hard for people to wrap their minds around if they're not used to thinking about this as a whole region. So first, just uh, let's go through the basics. Tell me who you are, uh, what you do, and what the Central Centralina Regional Council does.
1: Sure, thanks. Um, So my background is in urban planning, and I spent my career kind of bouncing around from different cities, both here in the U.S. and abroad, and most recently moved To the Charlotte region from Washington, D.C. I came down here with my family specifically for this opportunity to work with Central Lina, and um, it's been a really great move for for me professionally and and also for our family to kind of have a, a change of pace and to be outside of Washington. My work up until this point has really been focused on how we think and plan and make policy for cities and regions that really balanced an emphasis on people, place, and economy. So I worked for about 10 plus years for the government of Washington, D.C., um, under three different mayors. I led urban planning projects and neighborhoods and revitalization projects. And most recently, I kind of took a step up into working internationally and bringing together city leaders from U.S. and European cities to learn from each other. Um, about the pressing challenges that we all face as we try to make better better places and better economies and better policy for our communities. So coming to Charlotte was just an opportunity to kind of get back to the grassroots, get back to the, the ground level, if you will. I'm a public servant by nature. That's sort of my passion. And uh, it was really a great opportunity to come here and work for an organization that's looking at all these important issues at a regional level, which is an, an area that I just haven't had the opportunity to spend a lot of time working in. So, what Centralina does, we we've recently rebranded and renamed our organization. You know, for 50 years we served the nine counties uh, in and around Charlotte as the Centralina Council of Governments. And one of my kind of first moves coming into this position was to to try to put a a bigger focus on the work that our region or that our council does. And part of that was changing our name to put region squarely at the focus of our organization. And our mission is really twofold. On the one hand, we are a neutral platform for regional collaboration. And on the other hand, our goal is to spark and inspire action at the local level that our local governments take in the spirit of what we're all trying to achieve as a region, which is to expand opportunity and to improve quality of life for our residents and our businesses. So we're kind of simultaneously working at these two levels through the portfolio of of activities that we have. And we've got a really big portfolio. We're working across all different spheres. We have a really robust regional planning department, that's working on big issues like mobility in the region, but are also helping our local governments on some of their land use planning and decision-making. We have an economic development department that is also looking at the bigger picture. Where's our economy headed as a region? What are our key industries and how do we support them? And then simultaneously working with communities, thinking about how to revitalize their downtowns, and spend federal dollars that support, you know, community development projects and infrastructure. The other side of our work focuses on individuals as part of our focus on community. So we run the workforce development board for seven out of our nine counties. That means that we're working hand in hand with businesses and career seekers to really make sure we have the talent to fuel our economy as a region. And then we also, as kind of the most personally interesting and exciting components of our work, because I had no previous experience in this field, we are the area agency on aging for our region. Our team is working directly with older adults and disabled adults, making sure that they have the resources that they need to thrive in our region. So it is kind of, the, for me, it was the perfect job because, you know, I, I think we need to be integrated in our thinking, like I said earlier, about people, place, and economy. And Central Liner really embodies that philosophy because of all the different things that we do. It's a dynamic organization, but it's really
0: exciting. And so just kind of at a big picture, step back level, why does it matter that we work as a region on some of these challenges? Mecklenburg County is really big. We've got a lot of resources here. We have different challenges. Why does it matter that we coordinate with other counties in the area? Why is that better than us just going it alone?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really important question. So if you think about the, the challenges that communities face across the country and, and really globally, they are very complex and they're adaptive. They're constantly changing. I think if we think about you know healthcare, health and communities, The challenges of today look very different than they did even 10 years ago. So if we think about what we're facing in that context, we know for sure that there are no off the shelf solutions. There is no playbook. There's no book written. There's there's nothing that we can just cut and paste a solution into what we're facing in our region. So what does that require? It requires A lot of hard work to identify. How does that challenge? Whether it's climate change or keeping our economy competitive, dealing with the the talent pipeline to make sure that our kids are going to be trained and educated for the jobs of the future. Whether it's building an infrastructure that's multimodal and responsive to the future none of those things are the solution to those issues are not gonna happen without the hard work of convening people to understand how those issues are impacting them on the day-to-day in their unique context of their local communities and then finding the, the thread that connects all of us together. Um, and it's that thread of connection that's really at the heart of regionalism. Because if we are able to bring everyone, regardless of their perspective, whether it's urban, rural, suburban, regardless of their political viewpoint, if we can bring people together in dialogue and find those points of commonality and then develop a plan or a framework that's going to help them move the needle on those issues, um, then we all win. If everyone's doing their own thing separately we know that that's going to create kind of a scattered shot approach that doesn't really line up with the systems that connect all of us. You know, our roads, our water, the air, our workforce, they're all connected regardless of political boundaries and municipal and county boundaries. So that's really that the heart of it, so of why we need to, to all find a way to work together.
0: You mentioned urban, rural, and I think the next word that comes to mind for a lot of people when they hear that is divide. Urban, rural divide, political divides between cities and exurbs and more rural areas. It seems like we've had a narrative that there are growing divisions and differences between different types of counties. How do you see that? And just a second part of that question. When someone mentions or when you read a piece about the so-called urban-rural divide, as someone who's right in that space, how do you react?
1: I mean, I think that's just an easy thing to say. Um, and I, I, I just don't give it a lot of credo in our region. One of the reasons why I took this job was because I wanted to work in in an organization in in a space that is deliberately and meaningfully bringing together those different points of view and i have just been so impressed in my 2 years here about the level of buy in that our region and our our regional leaders especially have around the importance that they see of success not only in individual communities but how that success benefits the region i had a board meeting last night and i you know there were two elected officials from, you know, what you might consider more suburban and rural counties that in the course of our conversation about the day-to-day business of Central Carolina said how important it was that when Charlotte wins, they win. And when they win, the region wins and Charlotte wins. And this common sense of interdependency um, that we have as a region is really widely known. And it's, it was just such a relief to me to come and see that I didn't have to be the one, and our organization didn't have to be the one to make the case for regionalism. There was already a strong foundation there that we're building upon. Now, with every new election, new elected officials, new people coming to the region, it's a drumbeat that must constantly you know, be struck. But I think it's there. And I think we've got a lot to work with. So when I hear people say, oh, the urban-rural divide, I want them to be concrete about it. What's dividing us? And then let's go and fix it, because I I just think it's it's so easy to say, but it's just about sort of stirring the pot instead of looking for a solution to to really pinpoint what we can do about it. So that that's my reaction.
0: And so, what are some of the specific areas you're working on now? I know the mobility is a huge focus right now in regional transportation and transit. But what are some of those specific areas where you're working to find those common points of interest and bring people together to find solutions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our our main focus right now is our, our regional mobility initiative called Connect Beyond. Connect Beyond builds off of a framework of regional collaboration that was really built up about six plus years ago when the Central Line region, plus our partners on the other side of the border in South Carolina came together in a planning effort called Connect Our Future, something that was funded under the Obama administration's Sustainable Communities Initiative. And the purpose of that was really to create a regional framework for growth. How do we grow in a way that's really gonna benefit um, all of our residents and businesses, regardless of, of where you sit in the region. And one of the main issues that was identified through that process was the importance of expanding our transportation connections and choices. And following that plan, our organization, along with many other partners, started to build a coalition and momentum for really taking a hard look at mobility at a regional scale. And that really took about 18 months since that plan was was completed to kind of put the funding in place, put the partnerships in place. And we were able to launch Connect Beyond in uh, February of last year. And the, the purpose of this initiative is to really think out into the future to 2040 and to craft a comprehensive and integrated vision for how our region is going to, um, be better served by banded transportation uh, and mobility choices and connections. So our primary focus is on transit. So we just had a, a really important meeting yesterday where we shared um, a network of high capacity transit corridors um, that would serve the 12 counties in the study area. So the nine counties in Centralina as well as other counties in uh, the, the border area of South Carolina and Cleveland County. And then we're building on that to also think about what's the supportive infrastructure that we need in order to make transit a, cho- a choice for people in our region. So the bike connections, the pedestrian connections, the connections to our, our trail system, um, because the, the message that we want to get across to people of this region is even if you never step on a bus, or you never got to get on a bike, um, or you never walk to work. You will benefit by having an expanded mobility network because that will be fewer people on 77 and 85 and 485 getting in their cars because they have no other choice. So we're we're trying to create and create a narrative and create a compelling narrative that will get people to understand why mobility for everyone is important for this region. Everybody wins when we create more transportation, mobility connections and choices for people. And ultimately at the end of the day, if that doesn't persuade you, (laughs) we need this in order to be economically competitive, not only in our Southeastern US region, but nationally and globally. So this is just, I think the defining issue of regionalism that we're kind of all in focused attention right now. There's plenty of others that we can talk about, but this is, you know, kind of where we are really laser focused for the moment.
0: Yeah. And I think that with, you know, half our workforce in Mecklenburg County commuting in from other counties surrounding us, that's something that even from a, a selfish perspective, it's very hard to ignore the need for that.
1: Yeah. And it's not only that, to go back to your earlier point about urban, rural and and suburban connections, you know, we have in our rural areas, we have on demand transit services. You know, we're we're one of the fastest growing regions in the state of North Carolina for persons over the age of 65. And we have to serve those older adults with with, you know, easy and accessible, convenient and safe transportation choices and on demand rides are one of the top ways that we serve our older adults. So if you have a, um, a person who is living, a retired person living in Stanley County that needs to get to Uptown for a, a specialized medicine um, appointment, um, do we want that senior getting in their car and driving all the way downtown or can we offer them a better choice? And that is making, you know, that is creating a bridge between our our rural and our urban areas by just that one ride. And it shows that we care about our rural residents and we're thinking about them and not just, you know, how we're moving people to and from Uptown. Um, We're moving them around the region. There are so many important destinations, whether it's our universities and colleges, major employers, health centers you know, we have to think in terms of the network, the total network.
0: You know, I grew up outside Washington, DC. When I moved here, I, people would complain about traffic and I would be like, well, whatever, you know, you don't know traffic. (laughs) But a few years ago, I was sitting on 77 for something like 90 minutes. And I thought like, okay, we might be seeing that kind of traffic here now. So I think that, um, is certainly something that's on people's minds more and more just in the last decade as we've seen it get worse and worse. But, you know, we still kind of, I think, address these in a lot of ways on a local level. Charlotte with CATS is doing a lot of transit planning, but right now it's still largely Mecklenburg focused. I know the systems are still managed by their individual jurisdictions. Can we get to that unified transit structure with these kind of dispersed governance structures? Or do we need to start seriously looking at things like Regional Transit Authority as a new governance structure to help us get there? Well,
1: first of all, I, I think when we're doing these types of major planning initiatives, that's why we spent so much time focused on building a coalition. So Connect Beyond is a joint effort between Central Carolina and the MTC and CAT. They know their mission is focused right now on surveying Charlotte and Mecklenburg with, they've got, you know, in the 2030 plan, these sort of fingers of connections that are going into different counties. Um, so Connect Beyond is the vehicle for, for CAT to imagine, you know, where the core of their system could be part of creating that larger network that connects the region. That being said, I think we have 12, 12 or maybe 17, I can't remember the exact number, different transit agencies within our 12 county study area. So we have, you know, county transit authorities, and we have multi-county on-demand service, uh, demand response uh, services. So I'm a little cautious about sort of jumping into the assumption that we need another layer of government or another institution in order to coordinate. I think what we're how we're trying to approach it through Connect Beyond is building on this coalition that's driving the planning process to think about, well, what are those first moves? You know, is it coordinated fares? Is it coordinating scheduling? We need to build a ridership base before I think we can justify going into such a big you know governance shift as a regional transit authority. You know, I'm in regular conversations with peer regions across the country and I'm seeing what my counterparts in Boston and in New York and Chicago and Seattle, where our transit authorities and our transit systems that are quite large are in crisis because of ridership is down due to COVID. There are huge bureaucracies. They're very, um, they're not nimble. So I, I don't know if if that's something that we'll get to. Maybe we leapfrog that and find a different model that works for us, that meets our needs, um, and is able to deliver on the same results. I think that's we're going to work through that process through Connect Beyond. We have a special subcommittee dealing with partnerships and funding. And I think that's one of the opportunities for innovation through this process that I'm really excited about.
0: And you mentioned peers across the U.S. And- One that that jumps to mind for me. People always seem to want to compare us either favorably or as a cautionary tale, or enviously to Atlanta. You know, when I think of Atlanta, I think how many different jurisdictions they have there, kind of balkanized their governance structures have been. Uh, How do you think we compare to our peer regions? How are we doing in terms of regional coordination? And uh, you know, how do we stack up? Is there anyone? doing it really well, who we should be looking at as a model? And do you think there are any cautionary tales, places we want to go, oh, well, you know, we see what went wrong there?
1: Well, first of all, I, I think, you know, the opportunity to connect with and to learn from other regions is is really one of the hearts of, the, at the heart of kind of how I see trying to bring new ideas and innovation um, to the work that we do at Central Carolina. So, Um, there's an incredible network of other executive directors of regional councils that's brought together under the umbrella of our National Association of Regional Councils. And in my two years at Central Line, it's been incredibly meaningful to me to be able to be in direct contact and talking with my peers in regions across the country, regions that are much bigger than ours, Um, you know, like San Francisco and, and New York and Boston, but also regions that are smaller than ours that are doing really incredible work that is very innovative and very nimble and, and adaptive. So um, I think there's always something that we can learn from other regions on how they've per- solved a the problem. For example, um, you know, the, the the Mid-Atlantic Regional Council, or sorry, the Mid-America Regional Council that serves uh, Kansas City, um, you know, it's a bi-state council of government. Um, I've taken a lot on ha- away from how David and his team are working across two states, and to me, that's one thing that even though Central Linea doesn't serve South Carolina, but how am I working with my counterpart uh, in the Catawba Regional Council on the other side of the border to think holistically about the issues that are facing our our bi-state region? So that's a and uh, something that I've taken away from. Kansas City when it comes to Atlanta what Doug Hooker is doing in the Atlanta Regional Council is incredibly inspiring but you're right they they have a lot of challenges in Balkanization as you said and trying to to move the needle on a lot of issues especially around transportation so i've learned a lot from Doug and how he's trying to create a you know a culture of regionalism and working across the political spectrum so, you know, I think there's, there's always going to be another region that's doing something better, different, and more innovative. And it's not about comparison. I think it's about drawing down those insights that are inspirational and thinking about how we might adapt and think about doing something similar or different in our region.
0: So what have you learned about working across state line?
1: Yeah, that's that's a really important question. And I think I'm looking forward to diving more into our kind of cross-border collaboration um, through Connect Beyond and, and also through other activities that we're doing at Central Line. Um, my focus so far in my first two years has been kind of on getting to know the context of North Carolina. You know, it's been the first time. That I've I've lived in a in a state in 15 years since the District of Columbia doesn't have statehood, um, having a governor and a state legislature to to get to know and the particulars of how government works in North Carolina. Um, so that's really been my focus in terms of our context. And you know I've been very warmly welcomed by counterparts on the other side um, in in South Carolina. And I think there's a, a mutual respect and a lot of track record of our organizations working. Um, collaboratively on other projects like Connect Our Future and now Connect Beyond. Um, so I think there's, it's you know, it's really ripe for collaboration on a number of issues. You know, water is an issue that um, you know I think as we um, start to get you know more movement on transportation, have a little bit more capacity to focus on other issues. Water is something that I think is a great example of the need for um cross-state collaboration. You know, our Catawba basin crosses into South Carolina and we all share that resource. You know, water doesn't stop at the state line. Um, so I think that's another issue where we could, you know, turn our attention to and, and be
0: concrete
1: with our collaboration with partners from South Carolina.
0: So looking ahead over the next couple of decades, are we moving in the right direction? And what do you think regional coordination will look like in roughly 2040.
1: Yeah, I'm an optimist, I'm a positive person, and I think I think we're definitely moving in the right direction. One of the things that, you know, is really important to me is that we're not just leading on planning, but we're also leading and coordinating and supporting the implementation of our plans. You know, as a planner, I think it's the worst for our profession when plans are so carefully and thoughtfully crafted and then they just end up sitting and gathering dust on the shelf. So planning from an implementation point of view is something that that is really important to me. And I, I feel like that's something that we're, we're trying to be very thoughtful about. So I think the success of our organization and the success of regionalism is going to be on whether or not we're able to move the needle concretely. You know, you can talk all you want about coordination. You can talk all you want about regionalism, but we need some wins. You know, we need some points on the board. Um, so I think what regionalism looks like in 2040 is going to be highly dependent on, you know, the next five to seven years uh, of action, you know, whether that's on mobility, whether it's on looking at, um, you know, continuing to coordinate growth across the region, whether it's on our economic development strategy and how we're adapting our economy to meet the needs, the changing needs, Uh, of manufacturing, because that's one of our core industries or responding to technology and innovation. You know, we got to put our money where our mouth is. Otherwise, regionalism is just an idea and people don't believe in it anymore.
0: And So a final question as we uh, wrap it up here, if you could wave a magic wand and change anything to improve the way we work together regionally, what would you change? What would you do if you had magic change anything power?
1: Wow. If I were queen for a day, what would I do? (laughs) Um, That is a really great question. So we have a lot of regional champions. We have a lot of organizations that speak to regionalism, but I think we would be stronger as a greater Charlotte region. Centralina Region F, whatever you want to name it, since there's so many different names, um, we would be stronger if the stakeholders who are driving different aspects of regionalism, whether that's on transportation, business attraction and retention, like my, you know, good friends at the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance, whether it's, um, you know, on uh, like the Carolina Thread Trail that's really driving. Um, you know, uh, recreation and non-vehicular access in our trail system. Um, I think we all need to find common ground amongst ourselves um, and think about how to work with our elected officials to speak with one voice um, to, to state and federal lawmakers One of the things that was brought to my attention when I came down here was sort of the antagonistic relationship between, you know, our region and and Raleigh and and lawmakers in Raleigh. And this, you know, I'm still learning the North Carolina politics, but it just sort of struck me as funny—not not not funny, humorous, but just you know, quizzical. Um, Why, you know, such an economic driver of our state? would have an antagonistic relationship with Raleigh and with lawmakers in Raleigh. So I think there's so many organizations that are doing good work on behalf of constituents that are not just in Charlotte-Mecklenburg, but in, in all counties around our region. And if we can find a narrative that talks about the region as a whole and all of our constituents, regardless of their political perspective, I think that would not only benefit our region, but it would unlock a more productive relationship with state and federal lawmakers. And I think we're going to need that. I know we're going to need that in order to do some of the bigger things that we have coming ahead of us. So, you know, that idea of speaking with one voice, I think that would be my wish. And it would be, it would be helpful to all that, all the individual organizations are trying to achieve.
0: Geraldine, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.
1: Thank you so much, Eli. I enjoyed it as well.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Future Charlotte Podcast, produced by me, Eli Portillo, at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. Keep looking to the future, Charlotte.